As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Plus minus. Tim Kawakami deserves all the credit. Plus minus. That is a word right there. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you say? Plus minus. Yeah, like, like you, Marcus Thompson. Marcus always tell the truth. Plus minus. The only thing that I would say to Ethan Strauss is that he's a pretty damn good reporter. Um, he's well plus respected. Minus. I think he got the highest plus minus in the season in NBA history. Welcome back to Words Plus Minus, to the very place that the legend Anthony Slater has predicted we would be all along. 66 games into the season. What's the record, Anthony? 33 and 33. How many times have they been at exactly at 500 this year? Like 100? Uh, honestly, I believe it's a, it's around like 18, 19, 20 range. You know, it's funny. They just finished their last road trip, two and two. Remember their first road trip? Two and two. It's a, and it was always such a rock. Like remember that start with the two blowout losses and then the two wins. It's this winding path to five hundred at all times. I counted up fifteen times at five hundred. Now I got to go back and recount us for a column for later today. Now you got me quite no, myself. No, I mean you should you should recount it. I was kind of throwing that off the top of my head. It was somewhere around there. It's, it, I think it's fifteen times, which okay. is a lot. And, and yeah, it's like it 29, 29, 30, 30, 31, 31, 32, 32, 33. Like it's been a process in the last five, like exactly five hundred. You know what this means? This means the Warriors are experts at finding their center, just like us on Warriors Plus Minus. We always know where our center is, and that's largely because we've got Tim Kawakami and Ethan Strauss keeping us level. Ethan, that is your job is to help us always find balance. Uh, you accept that challenge, sir? I mean, I've often been complimented for my uh, just immense stoicism and uh, leadership and even-keeled demeanor. Uh, so, yeah, it, it makes complete sense. In all seriousness, when you talk about how average they are, how they always come back to average, how they always regress to the mean, I wonder, you think about as many wins as losses, glass half empty, half full, where are we at? When we look at this Warriors season so far, I, I feel like you could take it in a variety of directions. I think on the internet, the fan base would mostly beyond the glass half empty and there's certainly a case for that but i wonder where everybody else is at on this half empty half full well i mean i'm writing a piece about this today so i've been thinking about it a lot i think this is 
as good as they can be. I really like losing Wiseman and Van Ubre actually didn't hurt them record-wise. This is like what they are. This 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 version of them probably a little too thin, so they could use another body or two. We'll see with Pascal and Lee coming. Back. Why, why are people freaking out then, TK? Like you don't see the progression. That's the part that I think whether fans are saying this or not. I think they maybe they feel it. Like what's the progression? Where do they go from here? If this is Steph Curry getting forty a night, it, or or they lose, it is entertaining. It's probably the, the maximization of what this roster can do because James Wiseman on the floor more was not going to help them, and I think we've seen Kelly Oubre on the floor doesn't really help them that much. It, it's either here, you know, he's a guy who just kind of is out there. So you take those two off the floor. He would have helped them on this road. No, trip. no, there there are anecdotal moments when he helps them. There are anecdotal moments when he doesn't help them. As a depth, yes, I'm always going to give you that depth, yes, but a lot of things are depth. Guy making fourteen million dollars shouldn't just be a guy who could be depth. But true, let's just but move Michael Mulder's getting about twenty four minutes yes, per game on yes, this road yes, trip, and that yeah, wasn't going another to body work. would help. But I'm, we're just talking another body that doesn't work for me with Kelly Oubre. But this is the way they got to play to maximize Steph Curry's greatness, Draymond Green's abilities. This is it. But it's also five hundred. Like I'll just put it this way: if you, if Wiseman and Oubre were on this team for the last month playing, would they be a lot better? I would just say they should be in the six seed mix. They should be in the five six seed range, and oh, you know we could point to a bunch of late game just gacks. Um, Charlotte, Orlando, Portland, some lately that Pelicans game yesterday when they're just gassed at the end of the road trip, and I, you know, it's the reason why I wrote the story I wrote is is it all kind of culminated in wow, they're like you know they don't have to only have eight guys in this rotation. Gary Payton could have been on the road trip. I just think it's small stuff uh, over the course of the season. It's the com- it's the continued change of direction, uh, of priority that, that has some fans frustrated. And it's it's a situation that I think, understandably, they've been twisted into with paying Clay Thompson $67 million to play zero minutes the last couple of seasons, and then all the injuries that have piled up this season. But it's also not terrific. It's also how these type of seasons go, right? Like, this is what happens when you're a middle of the pack team. Like things don't go right. It's why you're in the middle of the pack. I agree with that, but it also seems as though the direction of the season changes or the priorities change where it's, we're trying to win. We're trying to make the playoffs. Then it's, we're not chasing wins is a message the fan base gets and it's developmental. And then it's get the hell out of here, Nico Mannion. We're shortening the rotation. We're trying to win some games where this is not developmental. We are trying to win right now. It's now the Steph show. Uh, let's give Steph one of those Ricky Williams, 600 carry seasons on a, on a basketball court. And so it's just hard to know what the expectations are. And then I think Honestly, if I were to choose one reason for frustration, one reason in particular why people would see it as half empty, it's a guy who plays across the country. It's three syllables. It's LaMelo Ball. I think if LaMelo was worse, then people would be feeling better. What we're seeing out of this, again, I don't want to give away too much what I'm writing, but this is kind of how they have to play. You know, they, they can try to do the, the two-man game with Curry and Wiseman. They can try to try to establish Wiseman on the post, which I think we all can agree did not work uh, in his time this season. And you understand it's an extension of what they do, expansion of what they do. They, they do need another counter-offensive threat when Curry is you know, not on or he's swarmed. But they got to play like this. Like, this is Steph Curry at his best, and they're at their best when Steph's at his best. So is Draymond, and they need to fit Wiseman into this or figure out that he's not going to fit. 
And I think we're seeing Wiggins beginning to fit into it. Again, not as a feature guy. He's never going to be the guy. Clay Thompson moves into that spot, and Wiggins becomes a third, fourth guy, and I think he's just fine doing that, and I think he's happy doing that. Now the idea is next season, that's where the existential part of it, can you fit Wiseman in this? And if you get a couple draft picks, can those guys fit into it? Or do you turn those young guys into some you know, more veteran players, harder edged, stronger on the ball? We saw how soft they were with the ball at the end of the game last night. And uh, just a little tougher to be, to get in there alongside Steph and Draymond and presumably Clay. That's my big picture look at it. And I understand frustration. I just don't think if they had everybody healthy all season, so maybe they get to and they and they manage it differently. Maybe they get to the six, but so what? Then you're gonna get blown out by who's you know who's the three? You know Utah or whoever's gonna be the three. I, I don't. I understand them saying this is not about like all the way about this season, but the what are the things you can get out of this? My major thing I get out of this is they gotta play this way, and James Wiseman is gonna have to learn how to play this way, or else they're gonna have to move him. The one gripe I have is they probably should have figured out that this is what they needed to do from the beginning. The best universe for Wiseman was probably always going to be a very limited scope of responsibility. Rim run, <laughs> rebound, and, and that's pretty much it. You know, Maybe pop and hit a couple open threes. And you could have done that if you were saying, like, how can, how can Wiseman help us win now? But after that, I mean, I, I look, I like Eric Pascoe. I like Damian Lee. Those guys guarantee you that win last night. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I just don't know if, like we've we've seen the full gamut of a season and they end up at five hundred. This is who they are. It's just who they are. I think that's fine. This is what many of us thought they would be. You know, it come down to the end. They'd have to have a run and they might have a shot at a six seed or. That's fine. I, I think the highest they could have gotten was five anyway. So what actually are we talking about? I think more a lot of this, what we've seen, has been a net positive because you found out that Steph is still a beast, right? Because you've gotten, you've seen Wiggins be able to play defense all year, because you see Draymond still able to lock in when he wants to, right? You know, you get an assignment like Zion in front of, like, I think you learned a lot this year and now you you know you make a run like they're in a play in you see how far you can get and, and you call it a good season and then you move on i mean i get the frustration it's a lot of it is because there's some kind of it seems like front office and coaching just ain't been on the same page all year but i don't know if people were really expecting the four seed this year <laughs> like i mean they're just on the outside of the most positive outlook of what could have been maybe five more games were they going to be a four seed? I just, I don't see it. Maybe that's why I'm not that troubled by where they are. This is what it looks like when a team is in this spot. I, I bet if you go to all the other teams, you find all these same inconsistencies and struggles. Everybody who's in this boat, they look the same. I'm sure Dallas fans got the same feelings about Dallas, right? Like, you know, Memphis and all that. So, oh, what are they saying in New Orleans? So like, oh, they finally didn't blow a final in the last five minutes of a game. Look, they've been blown. You know, like this happens to teams that are just don't have, you know, again, you're used to the Warriors having this massive amount of talent. They can close any game. They can be great for any section of any game. They don't have that. You know, they, they have a couple of really good players and everything else is kind of filler. And you again, Marcus's point is exactly like when you run into a team that's got some good players but isn't doesn't have a great record. These are the questions that are being asked about every one of those teams.
Ethan, at optimal efficiency, what what are the words when if if they optimize every single thing, where do they fin- finish in the West? Maybe four. I mean, that would be nah, maybe not even four. I mean, so that's, not an, as good that's, as the, yeah, that's the Clippers, right? That's the Clippers and and Lakers. Yeah, five. You, know, yeah, yeah. you could be five because the I mean, if you just look at the records right now, the Lakers, Mavericks, and Portland's all bunch up. That's where they should be. They should be right in that mix with those. Guys right now. And I don't even mean optimization. They just needed to not gack away a bunch of wins. <laughs> like get, they It would does be right seem now. sometimes like it should be adding up to more because if I'm watching a broadcast and I, I'm hearing, and it's not just Fitz, we're talking about ESPN, and they're, they're talking about how, how underrated and good Wiggins has been and how uh, some of these role players are actually good, and then you have Steph at an MVP level. It does sometimes feel like it should be adding up to more than what it is. Um, I would say that much. And maybe that's attributable just to the time Steph missed. I mean, how many games did they lose when Steph missed time? One and seven, right? One and seven, yeah, I think. They were at a win percentage that would get you around six with, when Steph plays before last night. It's also extremely naive to go into the season expecting Steph Curry not to miss at least eight games. That's one of the main reasons to short them was just, as we knew going in, that without Steph, this team was completely completely hopeless so it's especially bad when he's out it just sometimes feels like the whole isn't greater than the sum of its parts that it's not it's not a collection of talent not only is it under talented but it's not a collection of talent that really reinforces itself i guess is the sense i'm getting and the other thing we're learning is that they do not appear to be a clay thompson away from competing for a championship they need more than that Maybe prime Clay Thompson, but not Clay Thompson coming off two massive leg injuries. Yeah, they need something else. And so now we, we look and we assess right now on this road trip. We're talking about being without Ubre, but really a lot of it just seems like they're too small. Uh, and that hurts them significantly. Uh, they probably should have won that last game against the Pelicans. That was a heartbreaker. I think that we're going from big picture to small picture. But I thought that Jordan Poole should have should have played more last game. And he's not the most efficient player this season. Sometimes, Especially while Steph was struggling. That You need yes. a pool. Per went to Mulder, and you can question that for sure. You can definitely question that. And Mulder, you know, is he going to make that corner three every single time? <laughs> if he is, yes. He but doesn't make big yet. threes. No, he, he doesn't. doesn't make big does, threes. He no. Does not. And when he made that last one in garbage time, you knew that was going in. Like when the yeah. game was already <laughs> over, I was like, you knew that. You know that's going in. Yeah. Splash. Now, 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 doesn't mean that that pool would have made any, you know, made a difference because he was way off on his shooting. But he can make a play. Like, yeah, he can. And I think he would have been stronger on the ball and that loose ball at the end that was so pivotal. That, that was just not an NBA play by Mulder. That was not what an NBA player does. You get the ball there and you know Zion's behind you and you turn and you grab that ball. And Mulder just kind of left it loose. And Zion is a monster, by the way. He's a, he's a monster. He, he, is, he is so good. He is so good. I love him. I mean, as a quick aside... He's so much fun to watch. He's such a great hope for the NBA. He gets to the free throw line, but not in any kind of floppy BS way. It's not like a gimmick, right? Like, that's what you like about it. It's a little it. like a, like the way Embiid's getting to the free throw line, although Embiid's a little bit more theatrical. Yeah, but. Embiid's a little a little more savvy with the flops, but it's not it's not frustrating. But, but the reason I mentioned pool is just if we're bringing it back from big picture to small picture, it feels like if you're trying to do both – you need to give Poole more minutes. If you're trying to do development and compete for that game, if we're Monday morning quarterbacking and saying, yeah, I, I think that Steve might have done it wrong right there, I think you need Poole. There needs to be some sense of progression going forward because 
Mulder is not part of whatever this team is going to do in the future. Especially not end of game. Like, you know, that's not your guy. Although, you know, we notice when they take Curry off the floor in, in defensive possessions, he puts Mulder in. <laughs> it's like, what? You're putting Mulder in for defense here? Maybe that's like if it's a it's scramble. Long arms. Yeah, it's yeah, long arms. arms. And it's a scramble, and maybe they get a turnover, and he can hit a three in transition, I guess. But that maybe tells you how they think about pool defensively. Uh, who's bigger? Oh, you know, you, he, he you screws could, up defensively. Yeah, he yeah, he does, and that's the reason. But why he made a couple plays, though. He made a couple good plays. He's bigger. He's bigger, and, and you know he can get his poke his arm in there. Who only played time. thirteen minutes? Yeah, he wow. did not play much. He did not play much. He's like not bring him in until the start of the second and start of the fourth. So he's basically like erasing any possible first and third quarter minutes before even knowing if you have a good Jordan Poole that night or not. And that's what we have seen with Jordan Poole, right? I mean, a random night he could be really hot. And conversely, Bazemore is hot or cold, and that was not a good Bazemore night. And that's a night that you would have wanted to make that switch. He he Sorry. rides with Bazemore, though. He's not Bazemore's turnovers. He don't don't turn the curve. This off is like it, though. They've committed to this like veteran heavy, mis- you know, like mistake prone identity. Although, like, he's just he's not playing pool as much as he should because he's like fearful of like a soft defensive possession or something, which is not part of like this identity of this gritty eight man rotation with JTA now like a heavy part of it. And they're all basically between the ages of like twenty six and thirty three or whatever. And then pool's like kind of the the outlier, and that's why he's not playing him. But at the same time, it's like once again, like he should be at this point in the developmental minutes. Yeah, and I, that I agree be. with Ethan. Yeah, Pool fits whatever you're doing. Yeah, you, you should have Pool out there just because he does different things. But you know, again, we're we did, we're talking about micro. This is micro, micro, micro. Whether it's Michael Mulder or or Jordan Pool in in in, the, in a couple two minutes there. But yes, I would agree that Pool is part of your future. He can do some things. I would have been you know more interested to see him out there than Michael Mulder at the end of the game. But you know, it's again, it's. You know, then Damian Lee is going to be, have, be part of that. We're talking about kind of peripheral members of a rotation or, or members of a second unit that probably should get you know, 10 to 16 minutes. Maybe Poole should get 24 minutes when he's playing very well, but certainly not guys are ever going to get 30 minutes. Uh, this is where the back end of the rotation, you know, it's where they're suffering. Uh, this is where the, the holes on their roster, you know, really kill them. Uh, you know, they could, could, you know, Mike James is not my favorite player, but he gets picked up and just starts firing threes in there. You know, somebody like that, a veteran like that could <laughs> Mike Gary James. Pay- wow. Well, I just saw him, I just saw him picked up. I don't like him as a player, but I saw him picked up and, and boom, 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 boom. He's making some shots. Gary Payton, the second would help this team. Austin uh, Rivers, Wayne Dedman. Austin Rivers. Yeah, there are guys that would help this team. Oh, this is a new Mike James. Oh, okay, I was thinking of the old Mike James, like from uh, the little point guard. Yeah, 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 I was like yeah, Mike yeah. James with that like slingshot, with that yeah, like slingshot yeah. three. I remember. But yeah, they've made the decision that that those luxury tax dollars aren't enough. You know, to move, you know, get moving to seven isn't worth it if that's even possible. The percentage chance that another player would be valuable enough to pay for that tax. That's the decision they made. They're not going to champion this year. You can criticize it. I'm sure it should be, it can be and will be criticized. Hey, but, but we're talking about the periphery here. Like we are talking about the end of a rotation uh, of a team that's basically going to be 500 and maybe 37 and 35 at the end of the year. Like what are the things we're seeing now that matter for next season? Cold calculated business decision. It for sure makes sense. It just doesn't feel all the way correct when you're watching Steph Curry just absolutely gas himself out to the finish line this season and then go 
you know, you could have had another extra rotation guy or two tonight for a minor bit of prorated veteran minimum money. But, but is Kerr going to play him? Is Kerr going to play him? We've seen him play Gary Payton, who literally helped. So, yes, Kerr would have played. Gary Payton would have been better than Michael Mulder in that Pelicans game. I'm not saying but they win would, the game. I'm not saying they don't. Though. Yes, yes. He, he did know. play him. He played him in Boston on ABC Saturday night. He put him on Kemba Walker, and he played well. He put him on Buddy Heald when Buddy Heald was going off. Like So, yes, to answer your question, it's helpful to have extra guys like that. I think it is. I just don't know if he's going to play them dudes in the crunch. And I, you know, and we, and we get back to, I mean, this small each roster spot is we've talked about it. We've talked about it. This is where it kills them because they are paying him. So in their minds, like, so we're paying this guy already. So to get somebody else in here to basically take his spot because he's not playing is going to cost Smilegeach's roster plus the luxury tax plus this guy's salary plus the roster spot plus the luxury tax. Again, they make a ton of money. There's no question about that. This We're talking about minutes that could really help the team in some form. But to get what? To get to seven, maybe? You know, maybe not. Maybe still be at eight. Maybe be at nine. For what? Uh, that That's the calculation. And if, if you're already at 260 or whatever they're at, uh, I mean, you know, I'm sorry, 190, whatever they're at, then it's hard to say, geez, what are you doing? When when the the mistake was Malagich, the mistake was a few other things, or to have a player like Nico Mannion on your roster that your coach will play, and right now Kerr will not play Nico Mannion. I think the Malagich situation has the potential to have more of an impact on the internal, just the internal dynamics of the team than anything in reality. It reminds me of in uh, the really great book Collisions, Low Crossers where a New Yorker writer was embedded with the Jets, and it was those Rex Ryan Jets. And at some point, at some point, Rex Ryan, late in the NFL draft, uh, drafts a guy who might have been Sanchez's uh, tight end because it, it makes his quarterback happy, and he completely overrides all the work his scouts did that they they do on all of those draft picks, all of those late-round draft picks. Now, that draft pick probably wouldn't have mattered anyway, but it was the beginning of the end for Rex Ryan. It had reverberations. It was a domino that tipped over other dominoes. And so when I look at the Smilagic situation, I see it as having that potential where it is a sore point, where it rankles people, where it gets at this, this issue of uh, the Lakeups and uh, the nepotism, which we see in every franchise, right? You know, fair or unfair. And you could even say that Smiley Geach was a decent bet to take based on whatever was known, but it just has that odd potential to it to be more of a cultural impact than an on-the-floor impact, in my opinion, at least. They got to rectify it now. Like, they can't. Like, this offseason, if he comes back and they're still waiting on this dude. Well, he doesn't have a guaranteed deal, so that that was the problem. You know, that was more than anything. The trade-up was bad, but the guaranteed two years, that's the killer. I remember at the time, so they drafted him uh, second round, which gives you a lot of maneuverability. I believe from my conversations that they were hoping to two-way him, put him on a two-way and like not start his contract essentially yet. But they couldn't do that because the hard cap. And the hard cap, remember how just like they had to count every dollar after the D'Angelo Russell move to make sure they didn't hit this certain amount. 
And part of that was like Smiley Geechee's rookie deal was so small. It was like 800,000 or something like that. It was like almost beneficial to have that tiny of a number taking up one of the 14 roster spots. They didn't even have a 15th man. Remember, they couldn't even add a 15th man until like January. So I think that was part of the reason why they started the clock on his contract, gave him two guaranteed years. As far as this summer, his guarantee date for next season is like a month into or a week into free agency, but you could push that back. I would presume that they're going to let him go to summer league as long as he agrees to push back his guaranteed date to pass training camp probably go to summer league probably just be a body in training camp but i think we all would predict he's not going to go win a job next year and since he has non-guaranteed money that experiment will likely end but what ethan is saying is probably right like the stit you know just the stench of it may yeah. may linger <laughs> around <laughs> the smiling each stench, stench. The wow. smiling each stench. Wow. there we go wow wow, wow. <laughs> man <laughs> good job Slater. that was like anthony that. slater coining that one wow wow okay. i like the looney lane personally <laughs> <laughs> that's that's incredible they've got six games left is there any way possible they don't finish this thing 36 and 36 or yes the oklahoma they city should. thunder are about yeah, to hand them yeah, two wins yeah. so they should go four help. and two they should go four and then two, they lose yeah. phoenix and utah so that's two and two right then there they split pelicans grizzlies three, 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 three. 37 to 35 is my prediction. they should go they should go four and two they should go four and two you know, again, they're magnetically attracted to 500 so 36 and 36 would surprise nobody but you look at the way this lays out the eight seed is what matters. I mean, regardless of what record it takes to get there, that last game against the Grizzlies might be for the eight seed, but get on the eight side of the bracket. That would probably give you either a play-in game in Portland, in LA against the Lakers, which would be interesting, or in, I don't know, like maybe maybe ramp up those lottery odds, you know? Like maybe, <laughs> I don't know. At this point, you've played yourself into the play-in. They, by beating yeah, the you're Pelicans, in you're, yeah. you're in at this point. You can't tank below the pelicans you know if you win the play-in you're out of the lottery if you actually you can be the eighth seed and if you lose both playing games you're in the lottery you can be the seventh seed and be in the lottery yeah yeah if you, you lose both playing games, games you know you're the seventh there you seed go, ethan you're you saying take the playing yeah, games you, you get two home games so you get two Beautiful. home games and you lose both of them so the you get two crime. home games two home games you get to say you're the seven and you get to be in the lottery oh it's, there you go I've, I, we've just decided it it's perfect for them and then, come on, NBA, you got to kick the Warriors a frozen envelope situation. I know the odds are long for them getting the number one pick, but look at your league. Look at the issues. Look at the numbers. Look at the numbers, Steph ranks. What will your Friday ratings column look like if the Warriors get no play in against, let's say, Doncic, and then the Warriors announce pregame? We're actually going to rest Steph Curry tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we're going to start manning that point in the play. Smiley Geach. Smiley Geach is our center. If we are thinking about the TV stuff, by the way, what an abomination that that ESPN Marvel <laughs> broadcast of the Warriors Pelicans game. What the hell was that? It wasn't for you, Ethan. It, it wasn't, wasn't for you, sir. For you. <laughs> I watched it with the most open mind, and it still wasn't good. Based on the numbers, it wasn't for anybody. I mean, I'm looking at it was on ESPN two. It got. 274,000 people watching it. That's test pattern on ESPN2. That's you could put somebody's camera you of their house this, of their the video of this podcast on <laughs> yeah. ESPN2. Yeah, during prime time on ESPN2, you're going to get that number no matter what you put. That's just they they were doing the thing of like, hey, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people like fish, a lot of people like ice cream. Here you go. 
<laughs> we got some sardines on your vanilla. I mean, have you had salmon ice cream though? I mean, <laughs> Tar's organic ice cream might yeah. salmon ice cream. <laughs> Ew. We will be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You remember when the Saints Bears, they put on Nickelodeon the NFL playoff game where it was like players were scoring and, and it would be like the splash zone was like, yeah, I think they they got the idea off that because people actually were like were generally positive about the Nickelodeon NFL thing. No, this was weird. I think the execution was the part that was weird. I don't think they had a clear vision of what to do, and it just became like Richard Jefferson talking about hero points the whole game and these terrible <laughs> puns. Like it was. My wife is big into Marvel Universe, right? And by virtue, like I'm all over it as a result. I was expecting it to be actual comic thing. It was really just basketball with with little graphics. That's what it was. It was just funkily executed for a person who was like, all right, let's see what you got. Let's see. Let's see the Marvel element. I mean, the graphics, that's what it was. It was just a chance to put some graphics onto a basketball game. So no like cut. You know how like you expect in these like theatrical cuts in betweens and you know what I'm saying just a bunch of stuff like it wasn't so if it's for kids they really didn't have much for kids except for like smoke trails on basketballs when they shoot right so it was just it just was it wasn't executed well and I don't know if that would have saved it but at least you would have had a good show <laughs> like a good show I might mention it in my TV column on Friday, but it's a good indication of who has the leverage when it comes to those two sides negotiating a new TV contract, and it isn't the NBA. Uh, that's that's the main takeaway. Whether it's this or the aforementioned playing games, basically. So you saying given, Disney was like, "Yo, we're gonna put Marvel this on." Is, this you, is the way it's gonna go. This yeah, is I don't think that was Adam it. Silver. I don't think that was Adam Silver calling up Disney and saying, "Hey, I got a great idea, guys." I I kind of think that one goes. The cutaways. Way. TK was like, "Yo, Kelly Oubre, what's your favorite Marvel character?" <laughs> like, <laughs> that was I was like, that, that creative. Yeah, they're just <laughs> asking players, "Who's your what's your favorite Marvel character?" It's like what. Those things are tough to pull off. I mean, that's the one. I mean, they're. I knew it was going to be terrible because those are hard because they're two different things, two different creative mindsets, two different performances. And I love Marvel as much as anybody. I watch all the shows, and I knew that wasn't going to work. I just knew it. It was going to be forced. It was going to be overdone at best. You know, I don't want to sound like a hundred five year old person, but you know, the NBA game's pretty good. Uh, you know, when when the games are good, I kind of want to watch the game. I don't want to watch the graphics. Well, that's what's frustrating. It's like you've got Zion versus Steph in a and game Steph that matters. Going off. 
Yeah. Yes. I'm not in sure they knew the game matters. was going to matter. I think that's the problem. Well, yeah, they didn't. They might not have known. I mean, but I think they Steph, picked yeah. the two guys, yeah. Steph and Zion. They picked yeah. two of the most watchable guys. Yeah, they picked still... two who they could be like, these are superheroes. Yes, you know? absolutely. Super no question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's You've got two guys where one is the future of interest in the NBA, potentially. The other is just one of the main events, one of the main draws. And it really should be about the game. I don't think we're being old fogies and saying that. The game was available. I watched it on ESPN. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like they didn't. You didn't provide. watch it on the local telecast, Slater? Oh, my God. Oh my but God. there's an opportunity cost. There's a big difference between Marv Albert, NBA and NBC, setting up a game and making it sound epic with the musical intro and giving you this context and earlier this happened and now this might happen <laughs> where i can agree you know, is it was not the nba on nbc it shouldn't be the marvel cinematic universe it should be the marv albert cinematic universe oh that would be incredible but, <laughs> but like imagine if marv albert was talking baby uh, imagine if marv albert was trying to combine one of his intros and the pre-game hype with also telling you about how this is a lot like the little mermaid or whatever was going on back then i mean it just it's it's you you, you got to make the game oh, seem bad. ethan you're just stuck on the tv that you watch growing up and you can't move on you come on your tired demographic just won't give it up let the new people have a chance come on can can michael jordan rub the lamp and release the genie next the nba on nbc oh ethan what God. if those two hundred forty thousand viewers were all new viewers and the regular basketball folks watching on espn regular would that be a good or thing if it was if all a bunch of kids viewers watching? Ask, asking where the l typical log rolling that they watch on espn 2 is at this time <laughs> yeah, I, I need to see a 500-pound Swedish guy lifting a truck. That's what I'm into this channel. By the way, I, that, that, that stuff used to be awesome midday. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. Nice save. Nice save. Tim asked earlier, you know, what we're learning or like the positives, I guess. There you go. Andrew Wiggins is just had a really good season. Durable, played every game, playing through bumps. Uh, the last couple games, he's really kind of seized that fourth quarter minutes. It's like two of his best stretches without Curry. Um, and he is... I would say, like, would you put him as a top 10 wing defender in the league right now? I couldn't believe it when Ron Adams was suggesting it last offseason. It's like, I guess if Ron thinks so, maybe I, you know, like, I still don't get that because he was not good as a Minnesota Timberwolf def defensive player, but he's been good. Like, he's into the guy, like, always into the guy. And then I said last night on Twitter, like, you can tell the difference in the Warriors when he's not playing. And that's, I did not expect that. I did not, like, oh, they better put Wiggins back in. That's what I think about. Steph, that's what I think about Draymond. It's not what I, I think about usually with Andrew Wiggins. Brandon Ingram don't want to see him anymore. Brandon Ingram sure. did not want to see him. Two great defensive yeah. nights against And Brandon. that is a full credit. Again, Wiggins will and he'll turn around and go one for 11 and be invisible. I mean, we know those nights are in him. But he's had very few of them. And, man, even then he's played defense. Even then you can see that he's just running. He, like, runs like Clay. Like, he just keeps running. You could play him 40 minutes, and sometimes Kerr does. That is a again. Is he worth thirty one million? That that, that you got to throw that question out. They've got him, and he helps them, and he's beginning to figure it out of like when he should shoot the ball, when he should just completely defer to Steph, where he should be when he does it. He's not great at it, but compared to his fellow Kansas alum, he's way better at it than than he was a year ago, and that that's been a big plus for them. 
Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son Evan continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. If nothing else, has he made himself far more desirable in the trade market? <laughs> I mean, uh, sure, I his, his yeah, value yeah. is higher than it was, but I'm not his sure. Value is definitely yeah, higher. The it's problem still, is the problem is his value still. on the market it nowhere near matches his actual court value to the Warriors compared to what they would get on the market. The thirty million dollars for three more years, whatever it is, it's just it's going to just it depresses it beyond anything with the, that the Warriors can get as in basketball value. Just they can't they can't get this basketball value any other way. Maybe you could throw him in a trade, you know, better if you're trying to get some megastar when you need his contract. If you absolutely there. have yeah. to for salary matching purposes yeah. and you convince that, the other team, look, he's at least at this point, like, you know, he's going to provide positive court. You're going to pay him more than you want, but he'll provide positive court value. Tom Thibodeau, you know, you somehow find someone that, that's not even a team that works contractually, but uh, like some coach that believes that you'll get this out of him. Yeah, I think you could get more out of him now than you could certainly from the last offseason. But they're, they're not going to do it. They're, they're going to keep them next season. I have a hypothetical, uh, you know, maybe it would be considered a hot take. Um, so, you know, like Brandon Ingram is a, is a somewhat potentially disgruntled, you know, max player out there. Jeez, that, Wiggins really did a number on him, huh? Well, I mean, look, he's just like, the, it's been a bad season in New Orleans. Nah, like, the mix is not really working. You just saw it. My point is... I don't want to get aggregated, but yeah. yeah. Sorry. <laughs> it's not going well. I mean, like, that's not even, like, debatable. It's just not going that well down there. I don't know if that means Brandon Ingram is going to be available or not. But my point is, like, as we search the landscape on potential obtainable guys out there for the Warriors, you know, Pascal Siakam's obviously another name we've discussed. Ingram is one of them. You just watch that back-to-back. It, theoretically, you would think they would have to go Wiggins, you know, plus, you know, probably this year's Minnesota pick plus another first rounder. You know, it's Wiseman in the discussion, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like you you cut down to it and you go, how much would more would Brandon Ingram help than Andrew Wiggins is currently helping? I love it. It's hard to get David Griffin to give away a good deal. He's going to try to squeeze every bit of value he can so that that would be one that would be one potential roadblock. Like how much better would Brandon Ingram be than Andrew Wiggins? Is that even a smart deal? If Andrew Wiggins is a better defender, not nearly the type of score creator that or shooter, I should say. Like Brandon Ingram is just a much more accurate shooter. He's potentially like, you know, he's something like 48, 38, 90, something like that. But, you know, I think the thought out there would be, yeah, for sure. You go Wiggins and what have, you know, all the picks that that are available to you. And I'm like, is that the right value? We literally just saw Andrew Wiggins outplay Brandon Ingram two straight game. Yeah, I don't know if that's one I would want to do, but I'm curious about maybe one of those deals where you can get him with draft picks and other filler. Now that I'm thinking, like, could you combine Ingram 
with Wiggins because that situation, I don't think players like playing for Stan Van Gundy. That's what I hear. I don't think it's the happiest experience. You're you're hearing about these rumblings uh, with Zion and everybody else for a reason. It seems like there is some discontent, so maybe that's where you can be opportunistic. I, I like the idea of just bringing up Ingram because this is what the Warriors need to get back into the saddle. We should add, though, that Ingram makes about the same as Wiggins. But he's younger and, and, and he's, you know, he's bigger, I think. It certainly looks bigger. But it's a great point by Slater. Like, if you're the Warriors, you're not, like, you, would you trade Wiggins for Ingram? Yes. But then you start throwing in these valuable assets, then you, you, you now you've got to stop and think about it. And I don't know if you do. I don't know if you do. Like, it depends. Like, if you can get a pick that a similar player to Ingram with that pick, because I think we think maybe Kaminga, you know, maybe Kaminga is similar to him. We'll, we'll see. So I'm taking the pick. I'm taking Wiggins in the pick. So that's a great point. I mean, after what we've seen, we know Ingram's value is way more than Wiggins. But if you trade Wiggins, you're losing the value. The Warriors aren't getting that value back. You know, they're losing the value of what he does for them on the floor because of that contract. If you're willing to keep the contract and you can add another player who can be Ingram-like, I think I might rather do that and have Wiggins and that guy and Clay and Steph and Draymond and whoever else they put around. But to the point, that's a big step up for Wiggins. That that really is like we're counting. And I, I remember when Myers called it the core four, and I kind of snicker like core four. You're counting Wiggins with Draymond, Steph, and Clay who have won three championships for you. But Wiggins is moving into that place again, not as a guy you can ever just say go get He's number thirty-five. Four, yeah. yeah, go get thirty-five tonight, but. As a guy that you can count on, as a guy, you know, he's not even Iguodala, but, you know, as a guy that they can say, we know we're going to get baseline this from Andrew Wiggins, and it's going to help us. And we don't have to worry about that wing defense that, that can kill you if you don't have it, which, remember, they didn't, absolutely, they didn't have at all last season. That's a big thing. That's a big thing to come out of the season with. I think it's huge. <laughs> I think it's a huge uh, well, you know, knowing all our reactions when they made that trade, they're like, okay, getting rid of D'Angelo Russell is good that they don't, you know, they needed to move him. But Wiggins, ah, you, couldn't, you get, couldn't you get more than Wiggins in a pick? Couldn't you get, you know, we all thought that because of his career with the Timberwolves. And other people said, no, 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 this guy's going to be better than that. And guess what? He's been better than that. So, Slater, you taking, you, you giving, you doing that deal for Siakam, but not for Eager? So, you would have to tell me what it, it is along with Wiggins. How much? Well, are you we were talking? saying the picks, basically. Both picks? Just both the Minnesota picks. pick, their own pick. Or is Wiseman involved in these conversations? Because I'm sure Toronto would like start the negotiations, figuring out how to Well, if Wiseman's in it, Wiseman. one of the picks ain't, if you ask me. <laughs> that's what I'm that's what, that's what, I would have to know what the actual package was. Because Just saying, you know, like, you know, as Pascal a preference, Siakam, who would you rather get, Siakam Pascal or Siakam Ingram? makes like $31 million a year. And like to be honest, he's not playing up to the level of that contract this season. Now, Open market, you know, contract for contract, most NBA teams, maybe all NBA teams would still take Siakam over Andrew Wiggins, but that idea has tightened up this season. You know, it's it's not as much of a canyon of a gap as it was, where before the season, if you said Pascal Siakam's contract, Andrew Wiggins' contract, like how far away, in, like that's so far away in market value, it's just closer now, which to me changes what you would be willing to attach to Andrew Wiggins. I, I wouldn't attach that much, to be honest. I think Siakam's potentially good by low. Uh, that situation in Toronto, which isn't in Toronto, which speaks to how weird it is and how jumbled it is, you wonder how much of their funky season is just the result of this bizarre adventure they've been on in Tampa Bay. 
and maybe that's a good maybe that's a good thing to target. And once once a guy is back in a normal NBA situation, he returns to form. Weren't we supposed to send Ethan to Tampa to do some reconnaissance, some investigation to figure out what happened with the Seahawks? I mean, Nurse is one of the most uh, media available coaches. Uh, you could get a lot of you could get a lot of good quotes. That that would be interesting. I would be down. You love to, Nick uh, Nurse. I do. I do enjoy Nick Nurse's coaching. I think Kerr does as well and thinks he's innovative. And they've got a weird season of people who haven't checked it out where their win-loss is so much lower than the point differential that it, it appears to be historic. It's one of those things where is this bad luck or whose fault is this? They've got one of the stranger seasons going. Siakam shooting 30% from three. Jeez. It, it's been a struggle. Yeah, I don't know. Could you play Siakam at center? Like that—that that would interest me. If if I'm the Warriors and you, I get Siakam, you could, I, I mean, I you know. could play him next to Draymond. To Draymond and at that's the five. Front Draymond court, at the, yeah, you know. and can you get away with? It? That's one thing. Like this little run here without a center, or Looney, it makes me think. Well, you know what? They you know they can get away without a center for most. I mean, you still want to have guys who can play center, but I don't know that you need a center. Like I, I was thinking. Jokic and you know Gobert and you know some you know Zion to some extent like you got to have a center to compete in the West and I'm not so sure anymore you know eight and I'm, I'm, you still need guys you, I still you think you're doing a yeah. playoffs yeah. you need bodies you do need bodies but I'm just saying like if you had even if let's say they keep Wiseman and he's your backup like I mean could could you figure out a rotation where that works. And I think you can. I wouldn't have thought so before, but I think you can. In fact, I might propose it. Like maybe they go into next season and Wiseman's the backup because you get him away from Steph more often than not and you get him with, with Jordan Poole and you kind of run that second unit and you let him grow there because I think the one thing I can't get away from in this season as I look at it, as I write this piece, is how much Wiseman's presence dragged down Steph's efficiency. When he was on the court with Steph, Steph wasn't good. That's not Steph's fault. It was because Wiseman was dragging him down. For whatever reason, that's hard to get away from when you look at next season. Like, what do you do about that? Oubre did the same thing to Steph's numbers in, in a little lesser regard, but still, Oubre's probably not going to be on this team next season. I think Wiseman will be. What do you do about that? Because we've seen Steph just take off, I think, averaging 35 since Wiseman's been out, whatever it's been. What do you do about that? And I think it's I don't I think it's a fact. I don't know that it's going away. That's one of the big pictures I'm kind of wrangling with in this column and looking at next season. I think it's their most important thing they have to deal with. How do you fit Wiseman into this system they've got that maximizes stuff, or do you tr try to change the system? I think they found out this season changing the system is probably not the right idea. High pick and roll. It's pretty easy. <laughs> one five figure row yeah, sure. and you yeah, can mix yeah. it up you can play different styles you don't have to play the same exact style you know hey why like you said wiseman's on the court high pick and roll high pick and roll draymond's now the center but you know back to the normal stuff i do think they're going to be very patient in wiseman's development i think that's going to be the message all summer because remember he's coming back from a meniscus injury we don't even know if he's going to be there opening night yet so you know the bench ideas for sure I, I i think part of at least the early equation with him before they figure out you know what version of him came back did he advance even while being pretty inactive with his knee injury? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a kind of like, again, it's, it, they're tying two errors together, and, and this is the complications that come with it. But I think if they get another veteran center or even brought Marquise Chris back, to be honest with you, they'll be okay. They, they need a fuller, more veteran rotation, though, you know, along with Wiseman. As I've heard from a few people, 
they need grown-ups. You know, the guys who just are tough on the ball, who can bump around, who can grab a rebound. Who they can, need a you know, David West, but yeah, a just, modern yeah, version. Yeah, yeah, David West, Sean Livingston. Uh, you know, we know the names. We've seen the names. Guys who just are tough in, in critical situations. Is Serge Ibaka even playing with the Clippers right now? Like, he's he's <laughs> had a back injury he's been dealing with all <laughs> we for like 25 games. He's had it. He had a good season up until the point he was injured. Uh, Marcus Gasol is an interesting name. Marcus Gasol would be really good for them. He's been in and out of the Lakers yeah, rotation. He'd be really good for them. But just, just guys who just, again, who don't crumble. And, and, and crumble might be a tough word because it's tough. It's a pressure situation. You're playing with really good players. But you just feel good having on the court at the end of the game when Steph's getting double teamed, the ball's bouncing around, and someone will just grab it, take two dribbles, and make the right pass. They don't have enough of those guys. And, you know, should we, you know, they ask Michael Mulder and Damian Lee and want Toscano Anderson to be those guys. It's something I Toscano Anderson has been it for a lot of this time. That's not who they should be. They need some guys who are, you know, who are meant to be those kind of guys, and, and we'll see if they can get them. Bob's on the clock. <laughs> Bob Myers is on the clock big time. What are the advantages from whatever they learn, whatever happens in the playing games and if they get in the playoff series? Is it simply just giving uh, Steph and Draymond a chance to wet their beak in the playoffs again before next season? Or is there any any type of benefit from them pressing and trying to get into the playoffs and maybe winning the first round? Uh, obviously money, right, from the playoff games. Uh, is, is there something that could help for from a next year perspective from getting this team into the playoffs and in a good series and, and battling it out with somebody. JTA in the playoffs would help. Jordan Poole getting some playoff experience would help. Anyone who will be around and doesn't have playoff experience, it is helpful to play. Alan, smile each playoff experience. Important. I mean, I think more basketball is better than less basketball. I mean, again, you don't want to wear stuff down too much, though. Yeah, that's uh, the, you know, you know we've you, seen you playoff know. injuries before, you know, we've seen exactly. different stuff. I kind of feel like a lot of the playoff pressure comes from Steph. I think Steph wants to make the playoffs. I think he considers it a mark against if if he can't take this team to the playoffs. So there's just the accomplishment itself that is hanging out there. But in terms of their big picture, I don't know if it actually matters that much. You have playoff elements of another team scheming for you to get acclimated with. But this is not the real NBA playoffs as we know them where you're walking into a crazy... Well, that's what I'm 20, saying. 000, it, does yeah. it benefit them more than just like the obvious to to really try to like to get into the playoffs, right? Instead of just doing the play-in. Anytime you can see Steph go crazy, you know, any opportunity for that I think is good. If they could balance the Lakers, if the Lakers are in okay, the play-in... Now you're getting ambitious. Oh, Steph goes wow. Through, there we go. We found it. Ethan has been trying to avoid the aggregation the whole time. <laughs> No, I'm just saying, if that happened, if, if that happened, if they won right? the title, can you imagine if they won? It's not. The, come on, come on. It's not the same level. Is when we talk about, it's not the same level of accomplishment. It's improbable. Maybe you could even say it's miracle on ice level improbable. I don't know, but it's not. It's not the requirement of marching all the way to the NBA Finals and winning it to potentially bounce the Lakers if they fall into that bracket. And You're talking LeBron's just like a seven-eight playing game. Yeah, I mean, you would you would bounce them down to the to to an elimination game, and then it would be interesting. I just think the anticipation of what Steph could do in any moment like that, do or die moment, is fun. That's fun. And they want to they want to recapture that they haven't really had that 
They've had moments in, in the middle of regular season they haven't had. Well, what if this happens? And man, wouldn't that be cool? I don't think they're going to pull it off. But if, if just that anticipation, just that feeling of buzz is, is valuable to some extent. Doesn't matter for next season, you know. Uh, I mean, yeah, so you can point, to, you know, have sit, sit and watch the game with James Wiseman and say, hey, here's how the playoff looks like on TV, right? I mean, it's, it's not that big a deal, but. I mean, it, it, it was you know, for Phoenix, though, right? Like, it, like it helped. Last it, it season, got Chris saying, Paul. Bubble, yeah, the ball. Oh, yeah, got Chris yeah. Paul. No, the I mean, but I think people playoffs, know. It was, the, yeah. it was the bubble. Yeah, yeah, I think people know what the Warriors are at this point. I mean, they've at least established themselves as credible this season as opposed to last season. I want to return to my, my scenario, right? Because it's a small sample size. Goofy things can happen in a small sample size. If you ain't saying the war, if the Warriors upset the Lakers in the actual playoffs in the seven-game series, then it ain't even that great of a point. Oh, but come on. In a play-in setting of the Warriors eliminated the like, Lakers? Like Slater said, they just bump them down to the next bracket. Like, it's not even a full elimination. It's not even that great, go, I guess. Don't, don't be scared. Go with it. All right, they get into the playoffs and they beat the Lakers. Go. Start there. That's not going to happen. They steal game one in Utah. There you go. There Rudy you Gobert go. is having issues in the pick and roll. They go Steve right Kirk at commits Rudy to Go- it. Right at Rudy Gobert. <laughs> Andrew Wiggins pick and roll attacks him. 4 2 upset. They got Bill Denver Simmons. in the second round. Jamal Rudy Murray's Gobert. out for the season. Having issues. <laughs> Jokic is tiring. Kevin Durant is looming in the East. Durant in Chase Center, NBA Finals this season. Oh, there you go. There you go. There you Andrew go. Wiggins up against. The emerging superstar. So, will we all pitch in on a book, or would I do that by myself? That would be quite a book. It would be quite a book, wouldn't it? You're on book number three, man. You're you're like Stephen King over here. Not on book three. He's done book number three. Done. He's he's probably already writing book book number four at this point. Yeah. More likely odds: the Warriors lose in the play-in and win the NBA lottery and get Cade Cunningham, or the Warriors win the play-in and win the NBA Finals. Cade Cunningham is more is more likely. Cade Cunningham is way. Cade Cunningham is definitely more likely, especially (laughs) if you believe in frozen envelopes. (laughs) Especially if you believe in incentives. The Warriors end up with number one and number four out of this draft. <laughs> <laughs> we'll know somebody's reading them uh, Ethan columns on Yeah, yeah. It's like, we're, not, we're, not mess- we're not messing around with this whole TV deal. We need to get this trade going the correct direction. <laughs> we need to get Steph back to the top, man. We've been reading Ethan like crazy. <laughs> I mean, it would... <laughs> would swing i mean it would swing a lot a lot of audience a tremendous amount of audience if the warriors go into next season with the one and four pick that would be that would be very interesting i i would say and then just trade one and four to to new orleans for zion and then you got all the ratings set then up. you got it yeah there you go done done would that be the best thing for bob for Bob Myers, one and four, is that like, all right, you're going to get somebody good? Or after having number two and then not going the best, does he want well, he the one, one and four they pressure? They want one. They want one. <laughs> they want one. <laughs> one is fine. One is fine. That's a lot of pressure, yeah. baby. Yeah, four is a little different, but one is fine. I don't think one is is a problem. But, like, you don't have to worry about one. I think I think Kate kind Jalen of Suggs, right? Jalen Suggs, right, Slater? Oh, now it is a controversy. Then you got local <laughs> columnists already calling for Jalen Suggs. Now Ethan says trade the number one overall this year for some team that's going to get the number one next year. So now, you can that draft, would, now that would dra- be draft Mr. Holmgren. Ethan says they have two number one picks already because they still have number one selection. Jessup, Justinian Jessup. I tried my damnedest. I tried my damnedest during that that weird season last season, abbreviated and everything else, to figure out who would be good. My picks do not look good right now. I am I, I'm for trading just because of that. Just like I don't even want to make a judgment on these guys. 
Killian's been playing better recently. He's been he's actually been playing. Passing great, not not yeah. shooting great. Yeah, he's that's that that. yeah, that he's only Detroit's really. third best first round pick. <laughs> 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 oh, oh, wow. Uh, Shots. Oof. Shots. Um it's a tricky one. It's a lot of pressure. I think with number one, it wouldn't be as much pressure because no one's going to criticize you for taking Cunningham. No, that's, but that's you know where the happen. pressure would come if they is like people saying like, do you trade? You know, like think about the value of that pick then. You know, do you really take a home run swing? There'd be a lot, probably a lot more interested teams going. Well, maybe now our superstars is a little bit more available. But I think so. you keep that. That that one you keep. Are you honest for the one? By the way, we, oh wow. Uh, by the way, we've concocted a super unrealistic scenario. So let's uh, hit the reverse. And, <laughs> two of them. And, we concocted two of them. It's only like a one percent chance, or or whatever it's going to be uh, that they they win the lottery. And really, we should think the NBA is on the up and up after we saw Zion Williamson go to the Pelicans instead of the New York Knicks. That should that was the time for the frozen envelope right there. Oh yes, and they did. They that did envelope should have been. That envelope should have been chilly. That envelope should have given frostbite in that particular scenario. But mm, they were on the up and up. Zion may, uh, you know, take take his reality into his own hands pretty soon, though, it seems. That's what Did Ethan says. quote after the Knicks game? Yes. I think Ethan saw that one. Slater, what are the likely scenarios at this point where they pick? So Minnesota obviously is playing well. Me and Ethan have both written about this. Um, they're... I think up to like fourth or fifth worst record in the league right now with the chances I think get up to maybe even sixth worst, which would really kind of break open the scenarios. Like every time they go up, it makes it a little more likely that the pick does convey, but it makes it a little less likely it conveys in the four or five range, which was the appealing part of them being the worst team in the league is that there was a 60% chance they'd have a shot at like Jalen Green or Kaminga, just one of those top five guys. Then, it, you know, the prospect list falls off a cliff after five but it's becoming more likely they might get like six, seven, eight-ish, you know, and that's that's when we maybe start talking about like Davion Mitchell, a plug-and-play type prospect. And uh, the value, the trade they value take the that pick, the six or seven, and then their own and try to move up? Sure. I mean, you that try too, a lot of Is things. that too much NFL draft, TK? Wow, yeah, wow. you're going to take Trey Lance or Mac Jones with those. That did feel a little <laughs> NFL draft. <laughs> yeah. but. I think the problem is one of the issues of the Wolves doing well is that the better they play, the more the value of the pick goes down if you do want to trade the pick. Because if it conveys next year, right, then there's more of a belief that the Wolves might actually be good. So there's also that aspect that's a, a negative when it comes to the Wolves doing better in terms of the pick. And the pick is... Uh, there was some discussion and argumentation on whether the value of the pick is plummeting, uh, but it's certainly gone down, I think is what we can say. It's certainly gone down. And you can't know, they're not going to trade until after the lottery, right? I mean, there's nobody's going to trade for an if, so you have to wait till lottery, so see where it is, and the likelihood is it's 6, 7, 8, and I still might end up as 4. I think they're the third worst record right now with a very easy chance to get to 5, but you know they're, they're still towards the bottom and see where the pick ends up and the, the, they we could get know, to six actually yeah like. i mean yeah. nobody's gonna know until that lottery happens and they could be the sixth worst record and end up with one right i mean that that could happen and it doesn't convey so nobody's gonna there's no way to make a move on this one until the lottery and that's coming up so um you know we, we can talk about it we can talk about the probabilities but you know there's no way to know how valuable it is right now no zero way to know that's why it's a lottery 
That's TK's way of saying we are done. What an episode of Warriors Plus Minus. Best one ever. Stop uh, speculating on things that might not even happen yet, which means we don't have a podcast anymore. So for Slater, let's stick on on that Warriors win the championship uh, probability. Nah, I don't know. I like the Warriors getting the first pick or beat the Lakers for the title. How about that? Uh, Next week, there'll be two games left, and we will get to dissect how they split the previous four. (laughs) (laughs) We'll holla.